BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You ever seen a ghost? Been abducted? Heard your name whispered from the other room when you're all alone? No, you say? Me either. But if you're like me, you're still fascinated by the paranormal. It seems everyone else has had an experience, and you want to believe it all. So why doesn't it happen to us? What does it all mean? How does it work? Is any of it real? Welcome to Paranorm Girl, a show that will attempt to answer these questions by taking the paranormal completely apart in search of proof. I'm not a blind believer, nor a hardened skeptic. I'm just looking for answers and willing to accept what I find. What's spooky with you? An unfinished tale. Hi, I'm an artist. When I learned that Pikachu's tail was a Mandela effect and the tip wasn't actually black, but instead yellow, I knew I had residue. I had illustrated a Pikachu around 2001 in color pencil, and again in 2012 for a comic in watercolor. I dug them both out of storage and was absolutely stunned to find both tails unfinished. The ends are currently the white of the paper. I know his tail isn't white, and the rest of the illustrations are completely finished. Going down this rabbit hole due to ones such as Dilemma, Dilemna, and Chick-fil-A, Chic-fil-A, I actually attended Truett Cathy's church in First Baptist Jonesboro, and he was my brother's Sunday school teacher. I happened upon videos about Flintstones having changed from Flintstones and sex in the city having changed from sex and the city. I confirmed both current spellings on Google and eBay. I thought it doesn't really make sense for Flintstones to not have a T. And sex and the city made more sense because it included New York City as a character slash subject. I never watched the show, but I studied the semi because there was a lot of residue. Well, it flip-flopped for me back to and, and back to flint stones. And of course, I scoured YouTube looking for the ME videos about how sex in the city used to be sex and the city, and of course, they are all gone. It is maddening. But when you have one flip on you, it becomes extremely difficult to ignore. And just to reiterate what someone said earlier, it's very frustrating that our loved ones seem unable to talk about the phenomenon without getting very upset. It's very off-putting and weird witnessing these changes. There are several changes for me in the Bible that I don't even like discussing. As I said, I grew up in a Baptist church reading multiple Bibles, listening to a sermon a day as I got older, and I'm just extremely perplexed at how to process what is happening. There isn't much residue for flip-flopping, but you can occasionally find something on Reddit or YouTube where someone is saying an ME is a certain way, but is now wrong in this timeline. I like the quantum immortality theory, but I think my Pikachu story and all residue speaks to reality changing as opposed to us shifting realities. Unless realities are merging, maybe it's a little bit of everything. One last personal M.E. I used to ride my brother's huge four-wheeler around my parents' house like it was a racetrack for an entire summer when I was in school. I would also ride it on trails. The handlebars were so far apart that my forearms would get ripped from briars on the edge of the narrow trails. When I brought up this memory at my brother's birthday lunch, he couldn't remember the four-wheeler and neither could my parents. 
I tried for several minutes and none of them could remember. I just felt sick inside. And I wonder sometimes if we shifted away from our loved ones that we knew and they were replaced with copies. Or that it's still them, but from a different reality? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, come one, come all. I've always had an interest in the paranormal, ever since I can remember. Um, It was an interest I picked up in large part thanks to my mom. We would stay up late having discussions about all aspects of it or listening to Art Bell on Coast to Coast while falling asleep. It was inherently a part of my upbringing, but never more than to the point of spectatorship. Once I got older, and thanks to people I've met along the way, classes I've taken, and critical thinking skills I've acquired over the years, I took on a more skeptical stance on a lot of things. I questioned a lot of things, including the paranormal, though it remained a subject that, quite simply put, continued to fascinate me, though I didn't understand it deeply. I went along this way, walking the fine line between skepticism and belief for quite some time. Until recently, when I realized something, that I didn't want to remain on the fence anymore. It felt odd being this far into my life, not having a solid belief or opinion on any of this stuff, to not really know why I was doubting the things that I did or fearing the things I didn't know all that much about, being a semi-believer and not knowing why, not fully buying it, but not knowing why. I realized I'd rather full well know, no matter what that looked like. And in order to do that, I knew I had to learn these subjects inside and out, from start to finish, because I just didn't know anything beyond what I could see on the surface. So this is an education for me. And recently it dawned upon me that I couldn't be alone in feeling this way. If you have ever asked yourself, what do I think? about this, followed up by why. Do I fear this thing? If so, why do I fear it? Well, join me. Let's learn it together, an education for us both. One of the other major reasons I'm doing this is because by the end of all of this, I want to know, at least for myself, what awaits me after life. After I'm done here, where do do I go? Do I go anywhere? Is, Is there more? I know this may not seem connected to the current subject, but trust me, it is. It all ties together somewhere because it's all ultimately connected. If you can prove one unbelievable, magical mystery, then why not another and another? And how about another? I'm just trying to open the floodgates here. But that is a long way down the road, and we have only just begun. So, for any new listeners, welcome to the journey. And now, to the conclusion at hand, Mandela Effect Edition. This is going to be a fun one, I can already tell, and we are going to be all over the place, so hang on to your hats. So, uh, I was just speaking with one of my sisters on the phone. I was asking her out of curiosity what she thought about all of this Mandela effect craziness. And we got to talking about some of the effects. And she said something interesting, something I've been thinking about for a little while now, not really able to put into words until now. She thought it was strange that people, even today, are remembering the same thing at different times of their lives, as in different aged people, a 60-year-old versus like a 15-year-old right now at this moment can have the same incorrect memory. I mentioned before that I think different people are experiencing these Mandela effects at different times, linearly speaking. Uh, One can experience the thinker effect three years ago, while another only for the very first time experiences it two days ago. Same memory, different timing. But it hadn't occurred to me before she said the thing about the age differences, that that plays a role here too. And it's a clue to the idea that I've been unable to put into words. And it might mean that for anyone who believes that these effects might have at one time existed but now no longer do, might be incorrect in that way of looking at this phenomenon. Because if that were so, 
How can both the 60-year-old and a considerably newer person, the 15-year-old, have the same memory? And then something happened on the other end of the phone that just solidified it for me. Her 11-year-old son walked into the room, and this is how the conversation between the two of them went. Parker, remember the game Monopoly? Yes, it's my favorite game. Do you remember the little man on the front? Yes. What is he wearing? Pants, black shoes, and a top hat. Does he have anything on his face? Yes, a mustache. And like some sort of glasses thing. He's wearing glasses? Nope, just one, on one eye. My nephew, just now on the phone, said Monopoly was his favorite game and that Uncle Pennybags wears a monocle. Now, he could be in his room right now at this moment, having been talking about his favorite board game, staring at the front of it and realizing that his memory was incorrect. But how did he have that memory to begin with? Welcome back to Paranorm Girl. I am your host, Kristen. We made it, you guys! Tis the season two finale and time to celebrate! We have certainly earned it. Uh, This was a really tough subject to get through. My brain still hurts, so congratulations to you all. If you've made it thus far, you should be really proud of yourselves. I know I am. Um, This episode was a really hard one to sketch out in order to be sure to say what it is that I want to say, to put it into words. I really had to step back and simplify for myself what this episode was going to ultimately look like. I was grappling with how do I explain the causes and the theories that I think might be responsible for it when I myself don't 100% understand, like black holes, string theory, not trying to be an astrophysicist here or get my degree in theoretical physics, but after stressing for way too long with this hurdle, I realized something. I can decide to believe or decide to forego the belief in something and know why I feel that way and not have to understand the how of it. Does that make sense? I sure hope so. So take a sip of of whatever drink of your choice and let's get into it. Thought it might be kind of cool to kick this all off with a little debunking fun with the debunkers. Uh, Let's take a look at what they have said and why all of their logical causes are absolutely crazy. They think we saw some alternate version of a logo one time when we were kids. Doesn't matter how it was altered, whether somebody misspelled Looney Tunes in a kid's magazine once, or Hello Clarice was misquoted, misattributed once by a celebrity during an interview, or a friend talked about how he loved Ed McMahon and those fun balloons-filled commercials he used to do, and we went on with our lives. The correct version of the cartoon title, watching Silence of the Lambs in its entirety, or seeing the Publishers Clearinghouse correct spokesman on the commercials and postcards in our mailbox, but we for some reason only remember the altered version that we came across that one time while all along living alongside the truth, staring us right in our faces for our entire lives until one day, without reason or cause, we suddenly startle from our zoned-out, sheep-like slumber and realize, hey, that's not the way it is. Are we all understanding how preposterous this sounds? Why in the world would we have heard or seen the alteration one time, but held on to that as fact, even while seeing or hearing the correct version all around us? only to one day finally awaken to that correct version that has been all around us up to that point. It's, it's, it's absurd. Okay, already said this one needs to be said again. Source amnesia. We already know children are quite susceptible to it. Already know that. Already talked about it. But what about someone who doesn't experience the Mandela effect until adulthood? A fully functioning adult brain experiencing a blanket shift in something for the first time, far from the reaches of an overly imaginative, childlike psyche that might incorporate having learned something earlier into their own reality, making it their own memory, 
And let's say we are talking about us as adults being unable to accept a truth when it's presented to us. Let me ask you, did you ever believe in Santa Claus? Do you still? Or were you ever told that eating carrots could give you the ability to see in the dark? Were you able to accept it when you learned that they didn't? Things you were taught as a child that you might have actually believed vehemently for a good portion of your life. However, unlike the memories we have of the Mandela effects, wasn't it kind of easy to let those other ones go once you were enlightened? There is a stark difference between a long-held memory of something we learned and being able to just let it go because we learn that we are wrong, and standing firm because we know that what we remember is correct. And they sure do like to throw misinformation effect around. You are misinformed with information after an event has taken place. This effect depends on presupposition, leading the witness to be official about it. You know something that's kind of fun to do? I've done it out of curiosity. I've, I've had it done to me, and it's blown my mind. When you simply ask the question, hey, Sarah, uh, what do you remember about blank. Fill in with any M-E your heart desires and see what they say. Is that question at all leading? In fact, nowadays, knowing what I know, I specifically am careful and sure to not add any information when I'm asking this question. Because I honestly want to know what they remember. Nine times out of ten, you know what happens. They say what I am expecting them to say. It is crazy to blame it all on misinformation effect, as if every believer of the Mandela effect is running around, leading every person they speak to into wacky world with them by filling in the answers before the person even has time to think about it. And let's be honest, you know how aggressive people are nowadays. If they really do not remember what you remember about something so insignificant as Smokey the Bear versus Smokey Bear, they're going to argue with you. Okay. Next, we are all whack job conspiracy nutballs. It's a fun one, I know. Um, honestly, asking the debunkers here and not trying to be abrasive, but are you all taking crazy pills right now? Seriously? You honestly believe that a person has to be nutty if they sincerely remember a different version of something. Really? I might agree with you if the number of people affected weren't in the tens of thousands independently, millions collectively spanning the globe. This is uh, not an isolated event taking place in an isolated area happening in an isolated period of time. This is not comparable to mass hysteria. This is invasively everywhere and can quite honestly affect anyone. Next up, we're all confabulating liars, confabulating lies all over the place. I told you all about a crazy flip-flop that took place for me recently. From start to finish, from the learning it was a Mandela effect to learning it had flipped on me, all took place within the span of, of, of the last couple of months. It's quite fresh. Why would I speak about it, risk the embarrassment, risk my credibility? if I wasn't 100% certain that it had taken place the way that it had. Why would I do that? I honestly thought about not saying anything about it because I knew how it sounded, because of the risk I felt I was taking. But it was the flip-flop episode for crying out loud. How could I not talk about it? T timing is divine, man. Reality is weird. And sometimes the message comes through loud and clear. It was a confirmation for me that I couldn't not share with you guys. And I have mentioned this one before, the idea of the expectation effect playing a major role in the experience of Mandela effect. I've talked about it multiple times, that experiencers of the Mandela effect come to notice these effects due to expectation that something should be a certain way, even if it is plainly not, when it's presented another way right in front of their face and the psychological dissonance that can happen when such a thing occurs. But I see your expectation effect, debunkers, and raise you 
the change blindness effect. Most everyone suffers from change blindness because our attention is limited and we constantly have to pick and choose what we are focusing on, we might completely miss a total change of something in our environment, even a big change, let alone some of these considered insignificant changes made by the Mandela effect. Researchers Daniel Simons and Daniel Levin conducted this experiment originally. It has been reproduced quite a few times since, and it's kind of awesome and funny to watch these videos of the unsuspecting public fall for these changes without a bat of an eye. I really recommend you guys, uh, you know, go check this out. I will post something below, but, you know, you can just search on YouTube or Vimeo and you'll be able to watch a whole slew of these types of experiments. But here is an example of what they do during the experiment. Um, the one I just watched had two male actors on standby on a boardwalk. Lots of people around. One of the actors asked a random stranger where the metro is. And the random person um, started directing them. A short time into them giving directions, the people conducting the experiment had some people walk between the actor and the random person with a surfboard interrupting them briefly. As the surfboard dudes walk between them, the actor switched out with a completely different person and the random stranger, without a hitch or a double look or anything, simply continued relaying the directions, not noticing that they were talking to a completely different stranger. And this video was especially interesting because the researchers took it one step further. In following experiments, they actually switched out the first male actor with a differently dressed, much shorter, female actor. And the random stranger still did not take notice of the difference. With their original experiment on change blindness, Simons and Levin asked the question, how often in real life does a person suddenly turn into someone else, an object suddenly blink into existence, or a person's shirt change color right before your eyes? These things simply don't happen in our day-to-day -day existence, so we tend not to notice them when they happen in a staged experiment. And what I'm getting at here is this. I don't think it is that out of reach to consider that the skeptics of this phenomenon might be suffering from the expectation effect more so than they might like to admit because of their focus on reality and how reality should present they expect it to continue doing so hence any change brought about by the mandela effect can't possibly have ever been the case because they do not expect reality to work that way and the winner of all debunks these are all nothing but false memories, or this term I didn't learn until recently. It is referred to as an MMDE, mass memory discrepancy effect, the unusual phenomenon where a large group of people remember something differently than how it occurred. I think this would absolutely apply if we all remembered something differently than how it occurred but all in different and unique ways, because we are all different and unique individuals with different and unique life experiences. But I will say it again one last time loudly for those debunkers in the back. If this is MMDE, if these are false memories, how can we all be having the same one? I did decide on the margarita this time. It's it's quite hot here today, which is very strange. It's November. Um, this is refreshing. Don't judge me. Uh, so, oh, some exciting news to share with you guys. I have a sponsor, y'all. Woohoo! Um, I'm, I'm actually very excited about them sponsoring on my show because I do personally know about and vouch for these guys. They are located up in beautiful Pullman, Washington. My rental company offers top-notch service and have some quality people on standby ready to help. Um, I've personally spent a minute or two up in that part of this country. What can I say? I've been everywhere, man. And I full well know what kind of industries and traffic and events go through there. Um, you just never know if you may end up finding yourself needing a setup or place to call home. 
So if you are ever out that away and need to get into an amazing place, reach out to my rental company at 509-338-4653. They are certainly Pullman's go-to for high-quality rental properties. Uh, my rental company, your property is our priority. That is the tagline, and I am sticking to it. Okay, back to the show. Uh, we covered roughly 50 effects this season, and when I said we had barely scratched the surface, I wasn't lying. The website alternatememories.com has a really incredible database of these effects, exceeding 500 of them. But I have seen other sources claiming that there may very well be thousands of these guys, and counting. We have covered Mandela Effect Residue. There are some awesome resources out there I shall include in the show notes for you to check out or stay abreast of. I'll admit the residue in and of itself should not be considered the be-all, end-all reason for whether or not you choose to believe Emmy to be real. It's a little too circumstantial and can be too easily debunked if one isn't willing to take the sheer and massive amount that there is out there into consideration, but it is supportive in my opinion. Uh, we've talked about the flip-flops, of course, which by itself is incredibly convincing. The biggest drawback being that it's really not going to be that impressive to anyone that it hasn't personally affected. This season as a whole, I feel comfortable leaving as it is. We dove very deeply into a subject that I don't think a lot of folks look into at this level. I personally received a good in-depth education on the matter and some new beliefs and a new perspective on the paranormal and on reality too, which I wasn't expecting, but is information I'm glad to now have. Um, and, you know, it makes me very excited to explore an entirely different subject next season. Who knows what we'll come to learn next? I sincerely hope you feel the same, and I'd love to have you all join me there. But all good things must come to an end. I will wrap this subject up shortly in a pretty little bow. But before I do, I am excited to announce the topic for the third season. I received some awesome suggestions um, that I'm definitely adding to the roster for future seasons. So thank you to everyone who submitted. Deja Vu actually came up quite a few times, which was surprising for me. Uh, I, I shall incorporate it somehow, somewhere. Someone said sleep paralysis. I told them to go listen to season one. Actually, I, I didn't. I ain't rude. I thanked them for the suggestion and said I, I could absolutely talk about it again because it is fascinating and I do love a good talk on shadow people. Dreams, dream interpretation, the law of attraction, all great ideas. One of my favorite suggestions by far was an entire season devoted to haunted Louisiana. That has major potential and got me thinking that I could actually start to um, like incorporate deep dives for all states and their most haunted locations and people and lore, legends. So thank you, Virat. This is a special thank you to you, sir. Um, I really am taking your suggestion to heart. I thank you, sir. Happy birthday to me. You will understand that. And so that I can really start focusing on putting that project together, let me know if that's something you all would be interested in learning, and I'll cover your state. But the overwhelming enthusiasm shared by numerous people ended up being demons and demonic possession. And I'm stoked. Dudes, stoked. I don't know much about this subject other than what Hollywood has told me, which from what I can glean is all kinds of wrong and incorrect. So I'm incredibly excited to dig into this one and scared and nervous because I'm a, I'm a big old baby. Uh, Paranorm Girl will be going dark again for a month between seasons. Don't be sad. It's just so that I can start the study and preparation. But I will still, of course, be active over on the socials and receiving emails in the interim. So do not hesitate to reach out to me at any time. I always love to hear from y'all. And of course, this is my call to all listeners. If you have a personal tale to tell of the time you were faced with a demon or demonic energy in your home or place of business, if you know someone who has had this experience, if you messed with a Ouija board and got more than you bargained for, send those submissions over to paranormgirlpod at gmail.com. And now, let's get into the meat of it. Time to wrap this baby up. My final conclusion. I cannot prove the Mandela effect to be objectively true. 
and neither can you. No one can. Objective truth is something that is true whether you believe it or not. Our current reality is what is real. Done. With our current tools and knowledge, we are not going to, at this time, prove this phenomenon to be anything more than that. A phenomenon. It cannot be objectively measured. It cannot be objectively documented. The closest to evidence that we have, the residue, is still subjective to the viewer, the flip-flops subjective to the experiencer. Nowhere in this episode am I going to say that the Mandela effect is something we can consider real within our current objective reality. And, and I want that last part to be very clear. Because that being said, the Mandela effect is something that I believe to be real. Believe. Because I have personally been persuaded not with objective evidence or measurements, but with personal experience using my own five senses, shared experience, uh, statistics of those shared experiences, and unanswerable questions leaving its validity open to my interpretation. It is something that I am personally experiencing, something I am personally observing. My personal truth is that the Mandela effect is very real. I do not doubt that it is occurring. I said before that I do think both source amnesia and making but simple errors when remembering something can be playing a major role in regards to a lot of the smaller, more grammatically based effects. There is no way I can sit here seeing sound arguments like these and just deny that they are sound. Of course they are. They are reasonable, logical. They make sense. Mistakes happen. Let's admit that. Memory mistakes are common. Let's just admit that. So yes, I am with you there, debunkers. But beyond the most basic and more easily explainable ones, there is this vast sea of evidence, in my opinion, supporting factors, first-hand accounts, and inexplicable occurrences out there happening in this very broad way. It's just too overwhelmingly convincing of something more to chalk it all up to bad memory and unintentionally lying. So in short, my stance here is this. While the Mandela effect is not objectively true because we cannot objectively prove it to be true. It is something that is subjectively true for me and, of course, many, many others. Now, I struggled with my conclusion here today because ultimately I wanted something a little more solid. What would have been ideal in my mind was to come out of this with either a hard-nosed, skeptical, triumphant stance, you know, fists proudly on hips, or some kind of hardline, undeniable evidence backing these occurrences and changes we have seen. I've looked at both sides of this argument and really taken the time to consider them ready to accept my final deduction on the matter, no matter what that was going to look like. This has not been an easy conclusion for me, but because I still have reasonable doubt at play here, I cannot conclude and fully throw my weight into the skeptic take on this. I'd be lying if I said that. So what do I think is the cause of all of this? The short answer is, I still don't know. I don't have the how, even after all that we have discussed. I will tell you, though, what I think is the most probable out of all of the theories currently circulating. Let's take a quick moment to go over it. First off, I don't think this is Satan or the doing of some other evil entity. I may feel differently about that after season three, but for the time being, call it a gut feeling. And in the whole scheme of things, thinking this is all the doing of Satan or some other entity is, it's thinking too small. Definitely think whatever is going on is big picture stuff, like entire picture stuff. Could it be time travel? 
while time travel is theoretically possible with as little as I know about the process, it's not yet something I can sink my teeth into as a reasonable explanation behind these changes. And I do gotta wonder if we're saying that all MEs are the result of someone going back in time and causing the change. My question is, why? So there's this subclass of these effects I, I just did not have time to get into, but it regards disappearing land masses and their populations, and also includes relocated land masses such as New Zealand, not being just northeast of Australia, as many people recall learning it to be, but actually southeast of it. I can't quite make it make sense in my mind how a lone time traveler would have gone back in time and moved a piece of geography or unearthed it entirely. And if they were somehow able to do so, again, why? What part in our evolution would that play a major purpose in? Aside from waking people up to the stranger side of reality with these Mandela effects, I just cannot conceive a very good reason for a time traveler somehow causing these particular changes to take place. Quantum computers isn't talked about uh, quite at the level that I think it should be in regards to this phenomenon. Because of their possible capabilities and the possible unseen repercussions of those capabilities, their very existence makes me incredibly nervous. And while I believe they could have the ability to be causing changes we are seeing at some future point... There's no evidence yet, and research is ongoing, as to whether any of the computation that has occurred already is anything more than what a classic current-day computer can already do. The reason quantum computers makes me nervous is their theorized ability to access alternate timelines and pull things from them back into our own in order to solve a problem that we could currently be having. It's lauded as a faster, smarter, massively supreme machine and technology that surpasses any other technology on this planet, at least that we know of. NASA has one. The University of Southern California has one. Google AI has one. So some very smart, very rich institutions are interested in having access to this technology, even though at this current moment, at least that we know of, there has been no occurrence of this reaching into parallel timelines and bringing something back. None of that has been validated. And, and quantum computers essentially sit, again, currently, at the same computational levels as classic computers, just faster and able to process larger amounts of data, of course. The idea that it one day will is disturbing to me. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could... They didn't stop to think if they should. Jurassic Park, thank you very much. Um, dark thought here before we move on. While I don't think that any quantum computer that we currently possess in our current reality is the cause of the changes we are seeing, I cannot speak for any quantum computer in another timeline that has surpassed its infancy and is now either intentionally pulling things from our timeline for their own purposes or even scarier unintentionally causing the Mandela effect changes with its quantum computations, and the users in that timeline aren't even aware that it's happening. All theoretical, of course. Thank goodness. Do I think that CERN is causing all of this madness? This is going to be an unpopular opinion, but no, I do not. The theory that considers CERN as the culprit hinges very heavily on the idea that they are creating black holes that are sucking us in and spitting us out onto another timeline or parallel universe or wherever the heck black holes supposedly put you down after they have completely broken anything down that has traveled through them into an infinite number of atoms and molecules and then magically and very luckily for us put us all back together again save for an added curly cue on the Ford logo. Number one, if this were somehow happening, the dismantling of our very matter and assembly of it all back together, don't you think we would be seeing much bigger changes? Heads on butts, missing or misplaced monuments, a red sky? Number two, 
I am pro-science and pro-logic, despite what I sometimes talk about on this show. CERN's website and mission statement are very clear about what they are doing. Articles and videos on their social media that they put out are very transparent. I don't think anything weird is going on. They are just a group of very smart scientists doing science. And number three, while the collider they use is quite massive... From what I understand, the stuff that is going on inside of said collider is literally the smallest. Teeny tiny. They aren't creating nuclear blasts or cataclysmic collisions in there. I, I, I doubt it even makes a sound when they ping two subatomic particles together. If it did, I, I bet it would be super cute, like, like ding or you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Any CERN scientists listening? What does it sound like when particles collide? Uh, my point being here that no result of any of their experiments is all that large. So if they are creating black holes, if they are creating antimatter, um, it's not on any scale that should be alarming to the masses. Not yet. Anyway, I believe the discoveries they make are incredible and important only to better and further help us understand the world around us. Do I think it possible we are in a simulation? Absolutely. Am I ready to be on team simulation? Absolutely not. A totally immersive, incredibly realistic simulation is, in my opinion, one of the best explanations for what is going on with ME and can possibly be one of the best explanations for the paranormal. Even numerous scientists and those who theorize and work with the concept of multiverse theory, quantum computers, parallel timelines, etc., are interested in connecting to this idea that none of this is real, that it's all rendered images and code, that even the great religions of the world ultimately support the same idea, just giving it different terms. They all can agree that none of this is actually real. We are all but players on the stage, and the real us, the controllers of our avatar, are going to be outside of the simulation at some point, finished playing, finished participating, and go home. The real reality that's out there, not, not down or in here. Rizwan Verk, a scientist at MIT and the author who wrote the book The Simulation Hypothesis and his new book and sequel called The Simulated Multiverse, talks at length on this subject. He has a background in gaming, computer programming, virtual reality, and of course, a logic-based solid grounding in science. He talks about this experience he had that kind of set him down this path of thinking of our reality in this way, where he'd um, been playing a virtual reality ping pong game. And he says he was so immersed in the world he was playing in that he went to set his paddle down on the table that wasn't there. That could be pretty jarring to suddenly realize your reality that you've bought into up to that point. Something so real that you forget it's not actually reality suddenly doesn't work the way you believed it to, when it doesn't follow the rules by your understanding. And Mr. Vert takes some time in his books to make the connections between the simulation hypothesis and the paranormal and the Mandela effect. He says that he didn't quite buy anything being said about the Mandela effect at first because, you know, what respectable scientist would. But over time and seeing some of the bigger effects coming through and with his own personal experience with gaming and VR, theorizing that this was all simulation and there very well could be alternate timelines going on here. And finally, something he terms proximity, which by my understanding just meant evidence that was kind of closely tied to certain people, such as people of the Jewish community making a commotion about why the Bear family from the famous children's book were being made to be Jewish. Steen. Bernstein. Stein. It was a question of why that choice, not a question of spelling. It's a little perplexing why they would question that. Wouldn't you agree? Or the journalist major who went to interview Nelson Mandela while he was in prison, being turned away because he was too sick to talk to her. And then learning, a couple weeks after she'd returned to the States and started working for NPR, that he had sadly died from his illness. This was in the 80s. She is what uh, Mr. Verk would consider someone credible and someone in close proximity to this particular effect. It's all incredibly fascinating and convincing. So 
my reasoning for not going full-on simulation team is this. From a simulation point of view, you would have to believe that these bodies are simply avatars, that we are existing within a role-play game, that the scenery around us is simply code, rendering in the way it is designed to. There are NPCs, non-player characters, your shopkeeper or the background lady on the street. There are characters under the control of AI designed only to act, interact, react to whatever it is that you do, but you are, by and large, the main character. I mean, I I guess a lot of us are. Like, we're all playing a a different character in a game like Dark Souls or Borderlands, a, a multiplayer RPG. Okay, I can buy it up to this point. I'm even happy and quite content to buy into it that some of my more horrible customers I deal with on the daily that just leave me shaking my damn head in utter confusion and embarrassment for them are just NPCs and AI programmed into my ongoing quest for a purpose, for the challenge, for the level up. But what I cannot buy, refuse to accept, is that my animals are NPCs, my pets. And this may seem so trivial, a reason in the scope of what it is that I'm actually talking about right now. And some of you are not going to understand what the big deal is, and that's okay. But this is my proximity. I look into my dog's eyes, and I just know. I innately know that there is a sentient being in there, a soul, if you prefer, He isn't just set dressing. There is something inside of him that is also inside of me. He hurts like I can hurt. He loves like I can love. He feels. He exists. He is as real and sentient as I am. So if he, by simulation standards, is nothing more than code, AI, an NPC, then so am I. And there is no way in hell I'm ever going to buy that. I will remain open to this theory as a cause, of course, as I remain utterly fascinated by it, as always, but that is where I stand on it for now. So, with all of that being said, here is my final conclusion. This is what I believe to be true about the causation of M.E. That other dimensions and parallel universes exist that both time and reality are a construct of the human mind, and that the collective consciousness is powerful beyond belief. Let me break it down for you. This following bit is taken from an interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson, where he's talking about multiple dimensions. So, in quantum physics, there are these particles that flit in and out of existence. They defy our actual sensibilities, don't know where these things go or where they come from. And these particles can disappear and instantaneously appear in another location, arriving at faster than the speed of light. We do not understand why or how they do this, but the fact that they do this is observable, measurable. And if they do this, where are they disappearing to? Where are they coming from? Another dimension, perhaps? Multiple dimensions is, of course, still theoretical, but some very bright minds support this theory. I talked a little bit about string theory in the last season, which requires 10 dimensions to work. I've already established for myself that I think shadow people are from another dimension and that that is how they appear and disappear so quickly. It's not really that far of a stretch when we follow this line of theorizing here. Particles make up matter. Matter exists at all times in one form or another, but it exists and therefore is present at all times in this dimension or the next. And if matter can flit in and out of this dimension, then why can't a cornucopia on the package of a pair of boxer briefs? And I believe based on my previously held belief that everything is connected, that the power of collective consciousness to bring about actual physical change vastly outreaches our currently held knowledge about it, that we are a major contributing factor in these Mandela effects. The idea that the power of our minds can actually change the very reality around us, can change matter, 
mind over matter, baby. And whether or not it is intentional and whether or not it is for some purpose, I do believe we play a role in this. We define reality. The definition of reality is what it is because we decided it was. We continue to believe it is this way because it's what we are taught. Eileen Colts called it a paradigm shift when what you believe to be reality starts changing right before your eyes. It's hard to accept that it could be something other than what we've always known to be true. I must have had a shift somewhere along the lines because now I firmly grasp that reality as I knew it is no longer. Reality is not a solid thing to me anymore. It's, it's, it's more fluid than that. It fluctuates. It adjusts. It is malleable. And this is the big picture stuff that I'm talking about. I think there are quite a few things at play. And I think it is paranormal and, and I think it is scientific because I think ultimately we might end up discovering that these two worlds are much, much closer to each other than we've always thought. We just do not have that knowledge yet. We haven't objectively proven yet what it is that I'm talking about. But the unknown of yesterday is the known of today. Every day we discover something new that we didn't know before perhaps that we didn't even conceive of a year ago. Think of where we are compared to early man. They didn't know the earth revolved around the sun. They wouldn't have known the right questions to ask in order to reach that conclusion. In the Middle Ages, people believed illness was caused by an imbalance in the humors of a body, and you could rid yourself of the disease by bleeding. Medical science was primitive. They didn't yet know the questions to ask in order to gain that knowledge. Prior to the invention of CPR and defibrillation and other resuscitation treatments of the 20th century, the lack of a heartbeat was the definition of death. And now research is ongoing into these things called near-death experiences because without a heartbeat, without brain function, without consciousness, people are returning with stories to tell. Prior to the 20th century, we didn't yet know the questions to ask in order to reach the current knowledge. And three months ago, I believed reality to be a solid, physical, law-abiding, unchangeable constant that could be relied upon. I believed that human consciousness and the combined power of it was limited, finite. But with enough time, study, research, and listening to others, my mind has been opened to a new perspective on reality, on the power of my mind, on the paranormal, and yes, the Mandela effect. And I am hopeful that if I can remain open-minded and ask the right questions, that I will be able to comprehend the actual truth when I am finally faced with it. Stick a fork in me. I am done. We made it. By dog, we made it. This has been the Paranorm Girl Podcast. Final take on the Mandela Effect. Thank you so much for tuning in all season. You guys are simply fabulous. Remember to send your demonic story submissions to the email paranormgirlpod at gmail.com and reach out at paranormgirlpod on any of the socials with any questions, concerns, debates, chocolate chip cookie recipes, life hacks, whatever, whatever you decide. I'm here for it. If you have enjoyed this season and want to show me some love, please rate and review the show on whichever platform you're listening. If you hated this season's subject and just need to take your anger out on someone, I have phone numbers of some awful exes that I, I'm, I'm more than willing to share. They deserve it. Um, all for now. And scene, here is your final note. Did you know that Timmy never fell down a well? You do now. And it's I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. And that it is the wolf and not the lion who lays down with the lamb in the Bible. People remember watching that Lassie episode and they recall hearing the Three Little Piggies bedtime story numerous times where the house blows down. Or they know the Bible like the back of their hand and know that it has always been the lion with the lamb. These are things that changed for people. Independently, maybe they're insignificant, right? Small changes, doesn't matter. 
But if you cannot admit, now that everything is on the table, that all of this put together and looking at the big picture snapshot is something profound, then I don't think you were ever going to. You might very well be a cynic. And I was never going to present anything that would have changed your mind. I hope, if that is true, I was at the very least able to teach you something new. But that's not what my instinct is telling me. It's telling me that if you are still listening and learning this stuff along with me, you have an open heart and mind. You look up at the stars and wonder. You look at the world around you, sometimes jarred from the everyday hum into a state of sudden, full awareness and nowness, sometimes ever so briefly, and you see something intricately, infinitely beautiful surrounding you. You know, at some level, that there is more to all of this, and that the answer lies somewhere in the mysteries. Because the mysteries themselves, whether that be M.E., shadow figures, deja vu, or Bigfoot sightings are your sign, your clue, that there is more. I do think we need to find a way, though, to be open to the paranormal while also keeping one foot firmly planted in our reality. To not completely detach. We need to be able to find a way to not disregard reality while also staying open-minded to the idea that it can and may already be changing. A delicate balance. Widen your perspective, no matter where you currently stand. I think that is the best course of action right now. It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. Aristotle. And I'm not directing that quote at any one side of this issue. It's directed at both. Believers, understand that reality and factual evidence exist right alongside your faith, because it does. A belief should never outweigh an objective fact. Question, but don't disregard. Skeptics, understand that there are things that even scientists and doctors do not have an answer for. They do not know. Understand that there are inexplicable things occurring all around us all of the time, because there are. And maybe a little bit of faith in entertaining the possibilities might be the best course of action you could take. As Aristotle says, you can entertain that thought without accepting it. Stay open. And I'm willing to bet you already have a certain level of belief in an unseen force. You just take it for granted without thinking about it. We can all agree gravity exists. Gravity works, yes? And if you think you know where I'm going with this, you, you probably don't. I'm not going to parrot the faux science stance that gravity is just a theory, because it's not. There is both a theory and a law of gravity. Something to explain what it is, and something to explain how it works. And for the most part, it is understood, testable, reliable. It's something us regular folks can even get in on, feel and experience it ourselves. But did you know that everything we know or think we know about gravity is based on a hypothetical particle that has never been observed. Something called a graviton. I didn't know that. And now that I do, I still believe gravity is real and I'm guessing you do as well. So, since we all can believe and rely on a force that is entirely based on a particle that is undetectable, maybe staying open to the possibility that reality can shift, that ghosts could be real, that chakras can be cleared and tuned for better health, or that crystals and astrology can better help you conduct your life, maybe all of that doesn't have to be quite the stretch that you think it is. I hope this season found you well and leaves you wiser. See you guys back here in a month. Stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.